Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. Um, we ask that you please surround us with your angels to guard and protect our thoughts, our words, and our hearts. Um, we ask that you please bring this to the Sacred Heart of Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In your holy name we pray. Amen. amen. name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Uh, just very honored today, a long time coming. Uh, I, I know Laura and I just met today, but um, w- welcome Laura Lahe to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so um, we have a lot of mutual friends and some that have been on the show and they've spoken so highly of you. And, and again, uh, I know a lot of our listeners are going to know Laura, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Laura. Oh, okay. I was born and raised in Ville Platte. I come from a family of eight brothers and sisters. We were four boys and four girls. I was the oldest girl, so I feel like I was doing youth ministry for all my life. <laughs> uh, I graduated from Sacred Heart High School in Ville Platte, go Trojans. Yes. And God led me here to Lafayette, Louisiana, and I'm just, I just love this place. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are a true Cajun Catholic, and I have to tell a, a brief story. I coached youth girls basketball, and we played Sacred Heart of Villeplatte, and they're like little professionals. I mean, these girls tore us up. It's like a little basketball factory over there. But uh, I know they also have a deep faith, and uh, is that where you would attribute some of your faith to, from your youth? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm one of those girls, and from what I understand, I might be one of the, in the, in the minor voting area but i loved my nuns oh yes (laughs) and listen they were rough sometimes really rough but i guess with personalities like mine they had to be so yeah that and my grandparents share some stories uh, of some of the nuns that you remember uh, and what you remember growing up what do i remember i remember i remember this precious nun sister pascal and she always looked at me like she knew exactly what i was thinking and she was very supportive of me, you know, being in a family with eight children. Our home life was often more difficult than not. And uh, she, would always, she would always slap me on the arm and say, don't you worry, girl, I'm praying for you. I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I never, I, I always figured, how'd she know? Is she a spy? <laughs> but such fun memories. Uh, and I actually, I was terrified of Sister Mary Charles. She was as big as a flea, but she was our principal. And I remember sometimes I felt like I couldn't catch my breath when she was walking nearby. Mm-hmm. And do you know that she, when she got sick, she had cancer, and I got to be her nurse. Oh. And I said, Sister Charles, look. I said, all your prayers worked. <laughs> I said, I'm okay. So many of us are okay. So, yeah, we had some funny stories, nice. some good stories. Do you feel like God led you to, to be a nurse? That was your, your vocation? I really thought I was going to be an actress. Ah. Everybody told me I was going to be a movie star. Okay. And now I'm God's own fool. That's <laughs> but uh, no, what actually led me to be a nurse was uh, I had a little brother. My youngest brother uh, was shot and killed accidentally oh, with wow. a gun. And I was 20 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And in my, I was so naive. I said, I'll never let that happen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. As if I could stop anyone from dying. But... There was something that it was just in me 
I guess the eldest sister, caretaker, all mm-hmm. of that. So mm-hmm. it was a blessing. Nice. So give me a little sneak peek. I know that um, you have a deep love for the Lord, and we were sharing some stories earlier. And uh, where does that come from? I mean, what's a, give me a sneak peek of your prayer life. What's that look like today? Well, I know my I know my my grandparents were huge, especially my grandmother. Everybody has a grandmother. Like yeah. that, you know. Tell us about her. She was so precious, Mary Edna, and was one of them. And my other grandmother was Annabelle, and they just loved the Lord. I, I have, I actually have the chair that my grandmother. Mamaloni sat in every night to say her prayers. Wow. So I guess I was hoping by osmosis or something. (laughs) But I attribute my real um, coming to the Lord to our Blessed Mother. Yeah, she was the one. Okay, so I know you have a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother, and we we touched on that as well. But um, And you asked me, and it's funny because I was praying about our interview last night. And, uh, and God told me, uh, let her ask you a question. Uh, and you asked me the question before we even got in, on the air. So that was like a Holy Spirit moment for me. But you, you had asked me about my, my conversion. And I was mentioning to you about Mark Rocio. And that was the moment where, and, and there was a, a lot going on at that time. But I remember uh, weeping just uncontrollably uh, at Curcio. And, and I remember just thinking, God is so real and so good and, and so, so forgiving. And and the, and I was carrying a lot of heart uh, things in my heart that I needed to get off my chest. But I will say that at that moment, I knew li- my life would never be the same, and it hasn't been. That was uh, 18 years ago. So tell me your conversion story. <laughs> well, I can tell you this: we had gone through a, a tough divorce, and I watched my children. I mean, I was so sad and so concerned because their pain was undeniable. And it seems like all I could do was work and make sure that they were okay. Constantly trying, probably too much today. But anyway, that's what I was. I wanted to just be present. And I, I remember one night um, I was awake and I could hear this sound. And it sounded like almost an animal in pain. And it actually woke me up. And I sat up in my bed and... Um, my dresser with a mirror was right beyond the foot of my bed and I saw myself in the mirror and I realized that it was me I was the one moaning and I was saying I'm so alone and I was crying and crying and crying and then just uh and I was a youth minister at this time which is a whole new talk show but anyway (laughs) I found out that uh, Our Lady was reportedly, and I'll use the word reportedly because that's how our church says it too. Right, right. There were reportedly apparitions of Our Lady in uh, Conyers, Georgia, Mm. and I knew that I was supposed to go. And uh, I told a very good friend of mine uh, about it, and she, her name was Marla Saray, precious, beautiful girl. And she said, Laura, we're going to go. We're going to go to Atlanta. We're going to go. And we did. And while everyone around me saw, well, they professed to see miracles. They took photographs with silhouettes of Our Lady. They smelled roses. Mm-hmm. They, I smelled nothing. I saw nothing. <laughs> 
But there was a presence of a joy that uh, I'd never experienced before. And when we got home, I remember when Father was holding up the Eucharist in Mass for the first time, I believed. It, it was like it went from my head into my heart. And I knew it was Him. And boom, that's when it changed. I love that. And and my, my story is very similar because... I went into Crescia, uh, a cradle Catholic, and, 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 and Mass was very boring for me. And I guess I was one of those guys where if we can hear a good homily, okay, then, then it's a good Mass, you know. <laughs> and, and what changed for me uh, on that next Monday uh, at, at a daily Mass was the, 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 um, the consecration was everything to me. That was, that was, that was the, the source and summit of the Mass for me. And, and again, same experience where just overwhelmed with uh, emotion as as the Eucharist was being consecrated and, and how real this is. And Father Chester recently at Cathedral had a, at a weekday Mass said to always say, uh, Jesus, I trust in you when, when, when you receive the Eucharist. And it's something I've been doing probably for about a year now, and, it, and, and that's been a beautiful thing in my life, you know. That's so awesome. Uh, and so, okay, so then I'll ask the question, because I've asked this to other guests, is how do you know that Jesus is truly present in that Eucharist? How would you tell a Catholic or non-Catholic? Well, um, I certainly attribute it to the gift of faith. You know, um, I had something happen one time. Uh, as you know, and anyone who's listening, if once you've had that experience, you can't just say, oh, yeah, that was a nice experience. It was all-consuming for me. And I knew that I believed in a way I never thought I could believe. But this one particular day, I decided that I was going to kneel before the Blessed Sacrament, and I was going to really make some demands. <laughs> and so I remember... Now, what I'm about to share with you, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm crazy, but nah, it's true. I promise you it's this true. audience will not. <laughs> I was kneeling, and um, I was by myself. It, it was at Holy Cross. Well, that's not totally true. There was one lady sitting way off by herself. I'm sure the Lord sent her there to pray for this crazy girl <laughs> kneeling before the tabernacle. But um, in my mind, I was saying, Jesus, I want to see you. I was like a child ranting. I said, you make me fall in love with you, and I want to see you. I have a right to see you. I said, not because I don't believe, but because I love you so much, I want to see you. And I just kept on and on and on. And then suddenly, about the best way I can describe it is like I had a pair of ears in my heart. I, anyway, and I heard a voice and I knew it was coming from the tabernacle but I heard it with like the ears in my heart you see how crazy this sounds already I love it no not at all well anyway and I heard the most beautiful voice say my name and I heard Laura and I and then I heard it again Laura and I got really scared and I said Jesus, please don't let me be crazy. I can't help you if I'm a crazy. <laughs> I mean, verbatim, that's what I said. And then I heard, come. And then the, um, the fear started to subside, and I heard it again, come. 
And I said, I'm trying to, but I don't know how. What is it that you ask of me? And he said twice, bring my lambs to me. Bring my lambs to me. And I felt like I had gotten an assignment from my boss. <laughs> I mean, I think if anyone had, had said, what would you do if you felt like you heard the voice of Jesus? I would have probably said I'd run through the streets like a crazy lady. <sighs> but he didn't let me go there. It was a very... I felt like I, my spirit got very, very calm. And I was a youth minister at the Holy Cross at the time. And... Um, I knew that our retreat was coming up and it was going to be dedicated to the Eucharist. And I was going to bring his lambs to me. That's what I understood then. But since then, I understand that his lambs are all of us. It's mm-hmm. not exclusive just to your age. Not just age. So no, I mean, I'll never deny <laughs> Absolutely. So beautiful. I want to remind our listeners you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Miss Laura Lahey, and she's uh, providing us with some beautiful testimony. And I have a piggyback story for you because the Holy Spirit gave me a, a similar wink. But I want to just say uh, Laura is an artist and she's a retired nurse and she's been doing teen and young adult ministry for how long? Oh, greater than 35 years. Wow. I, 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 it's kind of like. Uh, you know, when a priest retires, he never retires. Right, <laughs> it's right. like I'm not doing any kind of formal mm-hmm. ministry, but I am. Nice. So my story is similar in that um, I exercise at Reds, and and, uh, and and people will think this is crazy as well. Uh, and uh, recently, and um, and I was I, I pray the Rosary often, and I was praying a decade as I was running. And my deal is I pray a decade and then I list, I try and listen for the same amount of time that I'm running to let God speak. And God says to me a few months ago, he says, um, if, and there was the very big emphasis on if in a very clear voice, if you stay away from sin, you can tend my sheep. That's, that's what God, the Holy Spirit imparted to me. And um, yeah, I mean, in as clear as a voice as I could hear, and uh, it's it's definitely something that's that I've been contemplating since. Uh, you know, it's really important. Um, after I had that experience, I I didn't even realize how much I, re- I referred to people as their as his lambs and stuff. And I, I didn't mean it in a little funny yeah. way. In fact, let me tell you how validating it was. Uh, one of my um, one of my, what I thought the Lord was calling me to is a religious life. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I couldn't do anything until after my, uh, my youngest child, Seth, was uh, 18 years old. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I remember uh, Father Keith, Monsignor Keith Dorman, was walking very closely with me. Um, and um, he would say, sometimes he'd say, you look so sad. I said, it's because I thought I was supposed to be a religious. I even thought I was supposed to found a religious order, which was terrifying. But one day, one of the, uh, I always worked at Lourdes, Our, La- Our Lady of Lourdes, and I was blessed enough to help them establish the St. Bernadette Clinic oh. for the homeless and the poor. Nice. And one, we had this, this homeless man who would, who would come in and he'd always yell, where's the shepherd? 
And they'd say, Laura, Mr. Kent's here again. So I'd go out there because I'd give them a little catechism class and I felt like I could get away with it because we were a Catholic hospital. But um, I would say, Mr. Kenneth, there's only one good shepherd. You know which one it is. And he'd laugh. But every day he'd come in. And he'd, this one particular day, when he came in, there was this beautiful, beautiful young woman who would come. She was homeless and living in really, really dangerous and sad situations. But anyway, he came in. And, of course, there was his posse was all sitting there, all these guys that I should have been afraid of, but I wasn't. And he said, and I said, Mr. Kenneth, now you know really, it's time. You, you need to stop calling me that. And she says, Miss Laura, I know what you are. And I said, what? And she said, you're a sheepdog. And I am telling you, I finally found my pigeonhole. When she said that, I said, I wasn't supposed to be a movie star or an actress <laughs> Or a real, I'm a sheepdog. I ran home and I did a whole research on sheepdogs. And they always work under the direction of a shepherd. Wow. And they will round up the sheep to the point of nipping at their heels. They have all the character traits of a predator except the instinct to kill. So. I love that. Bow wow. Here I, <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Um, so, okay, a question. Uh, this is going to be a left field question, but. Um, but Purgatory. Um, how do you know purgatory exists? Do you believe in the existence of purgatory? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I do. Um, I absolutely do. Uh, I read an article one time about it being uh, the place of God's mercy. And um, I believe in the necessary purification. We read that in the gospel on Jesus on the road to Emmaus. But he... Um, I used to say, oh gosh, I hope I make it to purgatory. But I read an article about St. Therese, the little flower, once. And someone asked her something, and her answer was to say that you, you at least hope you make it to purgatory would make our Lord very sad. He doesn't want us to aim for purgatory. He wants us to aim for heaven. So now, I do, but... I am very, <laughs> I've raised my goal, but let me tell you, I'm really glad that we have purgatory. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's yeah. just God's, my Lord, he does everything to get us to him. He loves us so much. Yeah. I know I'm reading a book by Matthew Kelly, Life is Messy. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> and in the book, you know, and then in life, right, I mean, we know that there are hard times. And, and, and I guess I've come to believe in my faith life that maybe some of that purgatory is here on earth, that, that a lot of us go through hell uh, here on earth. And maybe that's a part of it, you know. But for me, like when Father Dan passed, and that's when I really began to really God calling me in a, in a way to talk about purgatory. I, that's why I'm talking about it today. Um he called me on the phone two days before he died, and he said, oh, he was all excited. And he says, Todd, I have to tell you, I had a direct conversation with Jesus. And, and he said, I don't have to do purgatory because Father Dan always talked about, you know, pur purgatory and how he didn't want us to, that, you know, to go through all that and whatnot. But, but um, he did suffer his pain here on earth, and, uh, and, I, and I'm so proud to have called him a friend, and, and we miss him so much. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's... Um, beautiful a beautiful testimony to purgatory and, and ever since then i'm like okay all right i'm in you know i'm in i believe well I, I i support what you said about uh you wonder if sometimes here on earth we have it you know and that's 
That's the uh, redemptive suffering. That oh, no yes. one did better than Jesus on the cross. Uh, they, uh, I mean, the young adults who were on our court, my core team when they were in college and stuff, they used to come in and they'd say, oh, I have a headache, or they were wanting, and I'd say, don't waste it, quick, quick, offer mm-hmm. it up. Somebody needs it, somebody needs it. And now I've got this little twitch in my back, and I'm having to walk the talk. Mm. <laughs> so, no, I... Okay, so we wouldn't we wouldn't be remiss if we don't talk about your teen and young young ministry, your young adult ministry. Um, Cajun Catholics, you hear that name, uh, and I'm sure you've you've taught quite a few Cajun Catholics. W- what comes to mind? Uh, maybe a particular youth individual in, that that comes to mind when you think of Cajun Catholics that you taught. When I think of them. I immediately, you know, I, I owe them so much. I've taught them, but yes, they have taught me. Oh, my goodness. When I think of how the things they had to put up with me, because mm-hmm. um, youth ministry was really kind of new to this area when I got here and had a wonderful brother, Mike Keith, Dan Jurek, Becky Trumps. You know, we all kind of walked that walk together and discovered. And I feel like, in fact, I was telling this to Kim uh, Boudreaux mm-hmm. the other day. I said, when I think of y'all, I always want to apologize. I always want to say, I'm so sorry. I know I drove y'all crazy. Um, I learned so much from them. They taught me how to be a good leader. Um, I saw... God worked through them and the fruits of the things that we tried to do. And then now to watch them today go and do what you're doing, you know, and oh my God, I'm, I, I, it's powerful. And, and all of those people that you mentioned are, are superstars when it comes to Cajun Catholics and, and, in Lafayette, and, and they all point to you. That's why we're here today, because so many of them has, have pointed to the sheepdog, uh, you know, uh, but really, for, for, for uh, they have really accredited you with a lot of uh, all of their spiritual success. So that's why I was so excited for you to be here today. Uh, well, I think I gave them permission to, be, to screw up with a lot of things, and the Lord can still work through you. <laughs> no, they're amazing. Oh, yes, my gosh. They are. They are. I mean, uh, Catholic charities and just so many different things. And we mentioned you didn't know my mom, but, you know, mom started the Monsignor Segura Center and Food Net and Faith House and and, uh, so many of the organizations here in Lafayette, which which obviously became Catholic charities. And, you know, uh, mom had a similar experience. She she wrote a diary every day for 40 plus years. And uh, I I had the privilege of inheriting that. And I've, I've read a lot of them, most of them. And she speaks of, of her uh, her experience in the Adoration Chapel uh, in in St. Louis, in Kansas City, rather, where she Father Fidelis and Father Fry sent her to learn how to do the cursillo, and Mom started the women's cursillo. And it was wow. out of an experience with the Blessed uh, Sacrament where she felt just consumed by the, the power of the Spirit in, in the Adoration Chapel. And she described it as if she couldn't move or breathe. It was just, just so consuming. And it, it, it touched me. She she wrote a lot about what she ate in the evening, which wasn't that interesting. <laughs> but 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 every so often she she shared her her spiritual experience, which I love, and it's inspired me to write a diary. Do you do that? I do have some journaling. Yeah. Oh yes, um, 
You know, uh, and, and, and a lot of things in my journal are about my children because we mm-hmm. talk about young adults and stuff like that. When I think of my beautiful children, Maria and Seth, they're the ones I still say, Jesus, please, anything in any way that I ambush them or helicoptered them or whatever with this new faith that I didn't know what yeah. to do with, you know, just bless them because I learned so much from my own my two children. Mm-hmm. And so um and by now I, I really believe that because we can now laugh at some of the stuff, you know. Yeah. But I watch them, I watch the way that they mother, you know, watch the way she mothers, which I think is so beautiful. And Seth, um, oof, that's the one that really kept me on my knees. Yeah, it, it's a recurring story with Cajun Catholics and, and, and that, that have a conversion experience as an adult, which most of us do, I guess. And and then you go back and you want to share this with your children, and, and you, you do. You can scare them. I, I can so relate to what you're saying. You know, you, you've got to contain yourself in many ways um, because you want you just want them to feel what you're feeling. And then they think you're you're crazy. <laughs> oh, it was. I can tell you one of the most horrible things I yeah. did. I, uh, I remember that um, Maria was in high school, and I can remember when I first had this. She said, "Oh, mom, I'm so happy for you." And by the time you know, it ain't going away. It's getting worse, you know. Mm-hmm. But bless her heart. One time, I, um, I don't know. She looked like she was just going through a really tough time, and I went and I. I checked her out of school, and I decided, as a good mother, that I would bring her to talk to Father Collie. Mm. She was furious. Mm-hmm. She was furious. So you know, and 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 I, and I tell you that because now today I finally learned that you know everyone has their own journey, and the most powerful thing a parent can do for their kids is to pray for them mm-hmm. that is boom the biggie profound and um that intercessory prayer and to ensure that they're uh around kids who are going to inspire you know challenge them and inspire them and stuff like that but amen parents have to take a deep breath sometimes just about a minute left on the show i want you to talk about your artistry um and and where we can find that and you have some beautiful i saw some of you i saw the one in your wallet with jesus that picture is beautiful how can you find your art? I started it? painting after I had my big leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I always sketched a little bit, but never ever had painting. So I took about 11 or 12 art lessons uh, from a wonderful woman named Gay Seaduce. Mm-hmm. Talk about an artist. But um, I was always inspired to paint religious things. And my thing that I feel the most inspired to do is to paint the Sacred Heart. Yes. And the Immaculate Heart. And... Um, I, uh, that's primarily what I do because I feel, you know, I believe so much in the promises of the Sacred Heart that Jesus said, if you display this in your home, there will be divine protection and graces. And so it's important we, mm-hmm. we have this in our home. How would our listeners find your art? Well, uh, a lot of my art is at, um, uh, Crossroads Collective. Oh, good. I have a lot okay. of that. And I also have uh, art online. You can see my art on Facebook at Laura Lahe Art on Facebook. I have a page, and um, I post frequently 
So Wow. Laura, you've just been a blessing to all of us in Acadiana, and especially to me. It's it's just a, a, a thrill of my life to meet you finally. Oh. And uh, I, again, know that uh, you'll be in my prayers, and I ask for yours. You will absolutely be in my prayers. This is so important, what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. It's a beautiful ministry. Well, thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, again, you've been listening to Cajun Catholics uh, with Laura LaHaye, and uh, we always uh, challenge our listeners to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. And until next time, God bless. Thanks, oh, God bless you. God reward you.